Our scripture reading this morning is Ephesians 3, 1 through 13. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery is made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. When we think of Napoleon Bonaparte, we think about lands conquered and the, the impact that he had upon the world militarily, governmentally. We don't usually think about, maybe we don't realize the impact they also had on the linguistics and archeology. span Bonaparte took over Egypt and he was only there, Donnie only ruled Egypt for about two years before he was kicked out. But during the two years he was there, that was one year after he conquered Egypt, because he was there, a French archeologist made a discovery that has changed the world of archeology. span He discovered a stone called the Rosetta Stone. That Rosetta Stone, Corey, was written in three languages. It was written in the hieroglyphics. It was written in Egyptian script. And it was written in ancient Greek. The same announcement written in three different languages, which gave the world the capability of reading, learning to read the characters of the Egyptian script, opening the door to tremendous discoveries in the history of the world. The Rosetta Stone was the thing that opened the secret, that revealed the secret that had been hidden from linguists for hundreds of years. The New Testament is a Rosetta Stone. The Jews did not understand that the Messiah was coming and that through his death, he would give us new life in Christ. The Jews did not understand, even though they had been told that they were to be the witness to the nations of the world, they never understood 
that at some point the nations and the Jews would worship together and be members of the same congregation, the same church. That is a secret that was hidden for generations, but was revealed in Christ. In the beginning of Ephesians chapter 3, we're, we are being told about the distance, the breaking down of the wall that separates the Jews from the Gentiles. In the second part of that, Paul is saying, look, I've got a secret. This was a secret that's been hidden, and it is now revealed to me, and therefore to you. And I want to talk with you about God's secret plan. Uh, as Alan read in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, that is the mystery made known to me by revelation. Now understand, this mystery, James, is not like a, a mystery that you have to figure out to get out of, what, what do you call those, escape rooms? It's, it's not that kind of mystery. It's something that's a secret for a period of time, hidden from view, to be revealed at the proper time. As I have already written briefly, in reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. There's several things I want you to think about God's secret. Tom, turn up my monitors just a little bit and I'll quit yelling. If I can hear myself, then I won't yell at you. Um, and I mean the congregation, not you, Tom. Um, first of all, I want you to remember that this is an eternal secret. Kudos to Aaron for the song that he picked that talked about God's plan. Did you notice that? You had a purpose. You had a plan from, from the very beginning. God's plan for this was an eternal plan. According to, in verse 11, according to His eternal purpose that He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's not... I need you to understand that, this, the, that the church and turning to the Gentiles, Chris, was not just because the Jews refused to accept Him. Oh, that didn't work, so let me try something else. No, that was not it at all. Don, that was God's plan from the foundation of the world that all peoples and all nations would worship God and would know about Christ and receive Christ. It was an eternal plan. It was, however, Mike, a hidden plan. It was hidden to the Jews throughout all the Old Testament. They could not accept it. They could not believe it. But now, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. It was hidden from the Jews. Even during the ministry of Christ, Gerald, that Christ came, and I talked about this last Sunday, He came to the Jews. He was not sent to Gentiles. But even in his preaching, Charles, he kept talking about that the Gentiles, that the Jews would be cut off and the Gentiles would, the gospel would be taken to them. But 
Even then, in Christ, it's being revealed, but they didn't get it. It was hidden to them. And then it is revealed. And the, it is revealed, it says, that is the mystery made known to me by revelation. By the way, what Paul wrote was not his opinions. It's not David that he had to sit down and figure out, okay, what do I write to these people? He was moved by the Spirit of God and by the revelation of God so that what he wrote was the actual Word of God. And he said, by revelation, as I have already written briefly. Now, what he's talking about, somebody said, did he write another letter to them earlier on? No, he's talking about the previous verses. I've already written, and he's talking, I think, Corey, about the first half of chapter 3. We're dealing with the second half, and he just explained about Christ breaking down the wall between the Gentiles and the Jews. He said, I've already written briefly. In reading this, then you will be able to understand. He's, Alice is talking about the written Word of God. The Bible, as we have it today. They did not have the Word of God, Gail, until he wrote it. We, we talked about how we got the Bible on Thursday among the Thursday morning coffee bunch. And Gail may have already said this to you. Can I put in an advertisement for the Thursday morning coffee bunch? Some of you have quit coming because your health is not good enough for you to do the work that we do. You don't have to do the work. We have a great fellowship. We, we have a devotion. We have coffee. We have a great fellowship on Thursday morning. And all of you men of all ages... If you're not working, you're invited to come to that. We have a good time. We, we talked uh, about how we got our Bible. We, we talked about the revelation of the Bible and the transmission of the Scriptures. It, it was a good discussion. That wasn't what I had planned, but that's what we ended up talking about. And that's fun. That's a good time. And let me encourage you to come. But I, I need to say about this, the Bible is the Word of God. When you read it, you need to believe it. Whether you believe it or not has nothing to do with whether it's true or not. You see, it's true no matter what you think. It's true whether you believe it or not. It's true and it's the inspired Word of God and it has not changed. Some people say, well, we need to be more modern in our thinking. If you get more modern than the Word of God, as it is written, you are too modern and you are going the wrong direction. We have been given by the Creator of the universe a manual for life, and it is the Bible, the Word of God. If your lifestyle and your thinking contradicts the Word of God, I'm sorry, you're wrong. No, I'm not sorry. You're wrong. You're just plain wrong. Get in the book. You will understand if you will read the Bible. He talks about the insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, and as has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. What he's talking about 
is that those who wrote, and Carol, I hear this all the time. I, I read, well, he knew this or he thought this. No, the Bible says that they were moved along. They were carried by the Holy Spirit of God so that what they wrote is the inspired Word of God. Listen, friend, you need to pay attention to God's Word. You need to pay attention to the Bible. It reveals the secret things of God. You want more wisdom. You want more understanding. Then read the Bible. Let the Bible say what it wants to say. It reveals God's secret things to you, including His plan for your life. Notice then that mystery explained clearly. It explained this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, one humankind, and sharers together with the promises in Christ Jesus. That's the mystery that they didn't get, that we now know. By the way, if you'll think about who you are, your nationality, I don't think we have any Jews in the congregation this morning. If, if, if we do, I, I, I want to know that. It would be good to know that we have someone of Jewish descent. But I think that everyone here is not. That means this is for us. This is good news, folk. We're included in with the promises made by God to Israel. God intends for His churches to be multiracial, multinational, multilingual. That means us. I'll tell you that in Kenya, tribalism, you'll never understand, you understand tribalism. I, by the way, I've said to the Thursday morning coffee bunch, you'll never understand the Old Testament until you understand tribalism. But in Kenya, there are 40 different tribes, 40 different languages. You said, I thought they spoke Swahili. That's the trade language. That's so the tribes can speak to each other. They, they speak first their tribal language, and then they speak Swahili, and then maybe they learn English. They have to go to high school in English. But it, there was a tendency, Pam, for people of one tribe to be in a church, people of another tribe to have their, their own church. By the way, we have the same thing in the United States. But the strongest churches we had in Kenya were multi-tribal, where people of various tribes met together in one congregation. And I will tell you that we need to be reaching our community and have people of all nationalities, all races, and all languages in Faith Baptist Church. And if that is not your vision, I don't mean to be crude, but you're in the wrong church. That is what God intends. And that's who we need to be reaching out to. That is the explanation. I want you to notice not only God's hidden secret, but he talks about God's gift of ministry. He said, I became a servant of this gospel 
by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of His power. Listen, ministry is a gift of God. I was, I, I don't know uh, why I, I was thinking about this. I try to be careful about blaming God on what I think and what I say. When I'm, you know, I've heard enough people say, well, God told me that. Yeah, don't buy a car from that guy. And I try to be careful about blaming God on things I think and things that I say. But I was thinking about the gift of ministry. And I will tell you, young man, whoever you are, if God's calling you to the ministry, it's not something horrible. It is a gift from God. I love what I'm doing. Don't you think that my age and my stress level means that I'm miserable doing what I'm doing. I love what I'm doing. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God intended me to be the pastor, lead pastor of Faith Baptist Church. And it is my dream and my desire to be the best lead pastor I can be. I'll go further than that. It's my dream and my desire to be the best lead pastor you've ever had. And I love what I'm doing. I remember when God was calling me to the ministry, I thought that was a horrible thing. I, th I thought, I'll be a, a vagabond. I'll be poor. I'll be under somebody's thumb. I'll be... Maybe that has to do, Melody, with the pastors I'd had before and how they expressed their call to the ministry. And I've told you before, O.H.H. H. Cunningham only had one sermon, and it was how good God had been to him by calling him to the ministry. Well, no wonder more people surrendered, surrendered to preach under his ministry than anybody else I've ever known. And I want you to understand that the call to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to proclaim his word, is a gift of grace from God. And you need to answer that call if he's calling you to that. Now, God's not looking for volunteers. He will call who He wants. But I guarantee you, there are a lot of young men who are called to preach that do not answer. And I'm just telling you, if He's calling you, don't be afraid of it. You answer that call. It's a gift from God. Well, that's not really most of what I was thinking about backstage. Basically, it was I was thinking about my first... Sunday school teacher. You see, I said that ministry is a gift from God. And we have lots of ministry that needs to go on in this church and outside of this church. And that should not be a burden for you. It should, you need to recognize that it's a gift from God. I'll tell you, Adelie Davis, when I was about that tall, started teaching my Sunday school class. I guess somewhere along the way, I don't remember when I got into her class. Corey, I had to be just, you know, maybe three years old when I got in the class. But I remember her very well. And those little colored pieces of paper that they gave us to color during Sunday school. And I remember her lesson. She was such a sweet lady. 
Adelie Davis. I only remember one other Sunday school teacher that I had, and that's when I was a teenager. I don't remember all the teachers in between. But I tell you, I remember Adelie Davis. She had a huge impact on my life. When I think of Adelie Davis, I think about Linda. How she loved on my grandchildren, my grandson Dylan. They still love Linda. And Brenda. I don't brag on my wife nearly enough. But my wife is gifted at teaching Little kids, what a gift from God is the ministry, Alice, to be able to have an impact on a child. Most people are one to the Lord as children, not adults. And it is a gift from God, whether it is Sunday school class on Sunday morning, whether it is Wednesday night in our faith friends, it is a gift from God. Don't run. Run to it. Don't run away from it. That ministry is a gift from God. But it involves responsibility. Now, it says, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. In the ESV, I thought I had that written down. The ESV says the stewardship. That's the word. Stewardship. It's in my notes, but I, for, I forget to ever look at my notes. The stewardship that God has given me. I picked on Alice. Alice has been given the stewardship of being our, she doesn't like the term children's director, but children's coordinator. The coordinator of children's ministry. That's a huge responsibility and you need to pray for that woman. You need to pray. Holly's over here somewhere. Holly, raise your hand. There. Okay, way over in the corner. Holly is her assistant. And you need to pray for them. That's a huge responsibility. They're planning right now for a get-together on Wednesday, even the 25th, so the kids can just have fun and get interested in our Wednesday night program. That's a gift from God. But it's a responsibility. And friend, if you sign up for a ministry, you do what you've said you would do. You be faithful to perform the ministry that God has given to you. It is a, an area of responsibility. It's a gift but you're responsible for God for doing it. Not only that, it is a service that you render. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of His power. Don't faint, but that word right there is deacon. Charles is diaconos. It's a deacon, the deacon word. Deacons are servants of the church. I'm thankful for my deacons because they understand that. They understand that they're not the governors or the board of the church. They are the servants of the church. But there's other opportunities besides the office of deacon to serve 
the gospel and serve the church. I will tell you that we need more and younger deacons in our church. Jerry's nodding his head, and I'm not going to talk about how old Jerry is, and I'm not going to talk about his health, but we've got some great deacons, but they're not going to live forever. And we need younger, enthusiastic, faithful to God deacons to serve. But understand, in the ministry that you've been called to, I'm, I'm, it just happened my eyes fell on Kelly, and I love to see you guys on this stage. Uh, you have no idea. Kelly smile lights up the whole world, doesn't it? Amen? Amen. Her smile lights up the whole world. I love to see her up here. When Holly sings, did you ever notice that Holly can't stand still when she sings? I, that's, man, that's Africa to me. I, you know, we, in Africa, we don't stand still. Some of you guys are boring when you sing. You just stand there. Holly can't stand still. Melody, you remember the video that I shot of you guys up here on, on the riser swaying? And man, I still treasure, I, I run across that every once in a while. And that, it, listen, if God's given you a gift of ministry, understand you have a responsibility to serve, and you are serving God when you do it. Don't act like you're doing me a favor are doing the church a favor, you're serving God. Do it for the glory of God. Look, we're not looking for managers. I've said this probably three Sundays now. Here's number four. I'm not looking for somebody to come join the church who says, well, I've got a lot of gifts and you need somebody like me. I'll be such a blessing to the church. You need me to join. I... You, you've come to the wrong place, bud. We're not looking for managers. We're looking for servants. People, people who will use their giftedness to serve God and to serve His church. Is that you? Then come, join, be a part of this fellowship. Not only is it a service, the part of it is the proclamation. I love this. There's sort of a play on words in this. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people. Now, that's not false humility. Remember in 1 Timothy, he said that he is the, or is it 2 Timothy? That he, that he said, I am the worst of all. I'm the greatest sinner of all. That was Paul's attitude. I'm not worthy to preach the gospel, but He called me anyway. I love that. I understand that. I've, one of the things that held me back when God was calling me to preach, besides all those other things, the poverty and the, you know, the thing that held me back the most was the feeling, I can't do that. I can't preach. And the jury's may still be out on, on that part of it. But God said, I can. I can't, but He can. Paul said, I'm the least, but He has by His grace 
called me to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. I love that. I don't necessarily love the next point. If you're going to stand for God and testify to His grace, if you're going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, you need to understand that somewhere along the way you're probably going to be persecuted. Chris, if you stand on the promises, if you stand on the, 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 the precepts of the Word of God, you stand on the truths of the Word of God, you're standing against the world. You're standing against the world system. And Rodney, there's going to be some persecution in that. I believe with all my heart, John, in the days to come, it's going to get worse and worse. The persecution will come. The suffering because we stand for the truth of the Word of God. That secret also includes God's purpose for His church. God's purpose for His church. Look at the verses 10 and 11. His intent, His purpose, His intent was that now through the church, get that? Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. Man, I'm even preaching to angels and demons today. Do you know that? None of them. I'm not talking about any of you, by the way, neither angels nor demons. But that's what he's saying in the realms of the, of the heavenly realms, that through the church, according to his eternal purpose, that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what is his purpose for the church? First of all, it's enlightenment. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things. We are to be preaching the gospel. You need to be and I need to be the light of the gospel every place we go. Now, I noticed Walter told me he put the the in there. I had it as, you just need to be light. Everywhere you go, you live in a dark world. You need to be light. The light of Jesus Christ, the light of the gospel. Jesus said to his church, you, and that's the plural, you all are the light of the world. It involves not only enlightenment, but empowerment of this gospel. I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working, the exercise. That, that word working is connected to exercise by the exercising of His power. Listen, you think, I can't do this. I can't teach. I can't sing. I can't witness, I can't visit, I can't pray, I can't, I can't, I can't. You can, because He will exercise His power in you if you will just surrender your life to Him. It's not your ability, it's your availability. And it is not your power, it's His power working in you. This was according to the eternal purpose that He realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness. God wants you to be bold in your witness. 
and access with confidence. He wants you to witness for Him to your neighbors, to your family, to your co-workers, and you can do it with confidence, with boldness, because of His power working in you and because of your faith in Him. Our church needs to be a bold church, not a weak and fearful church. Be bold. Have faith in God. Don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. It's not just enlightenment and empowerment, it's encouragement. I ask you, therefore, because of everything I've said, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. We have encouragement. Enlightenment, empowerment, encouragement. Be bold. Be faithful. Be servants to the glory of God. And wherever you go, be encouraged that the Spirit of Christ is with you and in you. And you can do it in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Listen, what is it that God wants to do in your life? Some of you need to come to Christ in faith and get new life in Him. The gift of eternal life. Some of you need to follow Him in obedience by baptism and membership in the church. There may be some young man here that God is speaking to to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. If He's calling, you need to come. You need, uh, we talk about surrendering to preach. Maybe that's not good terminology, Charles. But for me, I got to tell you, it was a surrender. It was a giving up and giving in. And if that's you, you need to do that. Maybe you need to give in to the ministry to children of music, of service in the church. Give in. Be a servant. Remember, we're not looking for managers. We're looking for servants of God. What does God want of you? Will you make a decision for Him? I want us to stand. I was looking for Roger to start playing. We've got some music to play. But as at this point, this is our time of invitation that you can make a decision for Christ. Whatever God's asking you to do, will you do that now? Come here to the altar and kneel and just give it all to God. Or come to me and I will pray with you about what it is that God wants you to do. Will you do that? Will you come? Come now. For those at home in live stream, you know, you can do the same thing right there at home. You can kneel down on the carpet, the wood floor in front of the couch, and you can surrender your life to God. Whatever it is that He's wanting you to do. If you've never been saved, let me encourage you right now to call on Christ in faith. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Call on Him, asking Him forgiveness of sins and for 
salvation. And then let me know. Send me a note that you've done that, and I'll rejoice with you.